Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Hey, good morning. Good to see you. How are you? Everybody good? Great, 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 great. Hey, we, uh, uh, 26 and a half years ago, uh, there was a young married couple that came off the mission field that came uh, and helped us plant this congregation, Barry and Robin uh, Odom. Uh, Barry was one of our pastors, served for 17 years almost here, and uh, they're in the service today right here. Would you welcome Barry and Robin and their daughter Sarah somewhere? Yeah, they're down here uh, moving their baby girl to college on Tuesday. So how many of you have done that, moved your kids to college before? Okay, you know what to pray. And uh, it's actually a great time, and I love you guys. So good to see you. What a, what a treat, what a treat. And right in front of me is Roberta Robinson. She was afraid I was going to do this today. She's the one that you can't see because she's ducking under the chair. Uh, Roberta does not like to draw attention to herself, but um, she's gained our attention over the years because of her graciousness, her prayers, serving on our prayer team, her faithfulness to worship God and uh, be a part of our church family. Uh, She is retiring, moving home to California, and uh, this is her final service uh, as a a member of uh, Dogwood Church. So would you say thanks to Roberta, would you? Yeah. God bless you. When you get settled, let us know all the who, what, when, where's, would you? We love you. Thank God for you. You know, our church exists to love God and love people uh, while making more and better followers of Christ. And uh, this series that we're in, these nine weeks, is about that becoming a better follower of Christ part of our mission. And we're taking a look at, at a passage of Scripture that describes the kind of person God desires us to be and the kind of person God will make us to be if we live life in the Spirit. As, as Galatians 5 tells us, if we walk in the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, if we are uh, continually being, being filled with God, uh, the Holy Spirit, if we live life daily under the intentional control, uh, guidance, and power of, of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, in Galatians 5, it describes it as the fruit of the Spirit. One fruit, there's not the fruits of the Spirit, one fruit that has nine facets, nine facets. Uh, we're looking at the third one today. Here's the passage. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, hard copy, or on your smartphone, or on your iPad, um, then turn to Galatians 5, little bitty book way over in the New Testament. If you've got, you got the Scriptures with you in some form, let me see them. Let me see them. Would you see? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Good. We use them every week. And um, so bring them with you. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is where we are. Hey, hey guys, could you give me a little bit more in the monitor here? That'd be great. I'll keep me from yelling at everybody. Pray with me. Lord, uh, once again, we come 
as a church family with all these welcome guests, and we open your word. And if we don't have your help, Lord, it may remain partially closed to us. And so we would ask that you would do as you say and teach in the scriptures, that you would open our eyes, that we may see wonderful things from your word, and that you would open our minds, that we may understand the scriptures, and that you would unlock that part of our personality that most directly relates to you, our spirit, and enable us by your spirit and by your grace to respond uh, in, in grateful, uh, joy-filled obedience uh, to what you say. And it's in Christ's name that we ask it. Amen. Well, you have enemies. We sang uh, a few moments ago, one of the songs that, that we sang has a line in it that says, My foes are many. Well, actually, there, there are three of them. And you do have three foes. Everyone in here has them. Some of you here are not yet followers of Christ. You know, our church exists in part for people who've given up on God, given up on church, and, and you're here maybe, maybe checking out the claims of Christ for the giving it one last shot. But you're not yet a follower of Jesus. The Bible says you have enemies. And these enemies are seeking to destroy you. They're seeking to destroy your life, ruin your life here on this earth by keeping you from having a relationship with a loving, forgiving, gracious God and ke- here and keeping you from getting to spend eternity with Him. Now, just in case you want to know, that's the worst thing that, could, that someone could ever do to a human being. Worst ever. And, uh, and, and they've been successful with you so far because you've not come to faith in Christ. Uh, those of you who are followers of Jesus, you have the same three enemies. Now, these enemies have lost the ability and opportunity to keep you from knowing God because you have placed your active trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in what he accomplished when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. You've asked him to be your substitute Uh, paying the penalty for your sin, uh, setting you free from the power of sin, uh, allowing you to have your sins forgiven, be adopted as a child of God, being given a a home with Him in eternity, and and the ability to live under His care and supervision uh, in this life. Well, they've lost you to that. Jesus said uh, that He knows His own, and no one can pluck them out of His hand. So if you're in Christ... Uh, you're not you're 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 secure so what these enemies seek to do is to destroy your effectiveness and your quality of life while you're here on this earth by destroying your peace and your joy and they're very good at it now here are your three enemies again your foes are many but that really means three they are the world the flesh and the devil now the world very very quickly the world is that thought system, we could describe it as nowism. And that means it's, it's the thinking that this is all there is. Therefore, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. This is all there is. That means that uh, people are, are to be used, to, and, and they serve me uh, in order to get as much sex as I can, as much power as I can, uh, as much pleasure as I can, as much money as I can. So we need to get all those things because this is all there is. And so it it affects us that way. Uh, It's seeking to convince you 
that this is all there is. The flesh is something to do with your personality and my personality. Sum it up this way. It is that part of us that desires to be God. Now, you say, I'm not nuts. Anyone who thinks they're God needs to be locked up. Well, I don't mean in the sense that you know you're not going to become the creator of the universe, but it's that desire to be our own God. It's that desire to be our own boss, to do our own thing, to lead our own uh, lives. We, we worship ourselves. It's the, uh, that part of us that's all about us. The devil is the most evil being that exists and he oversees countless lesser evil beings that the Bible calls demons. They're fallen angels. Uh, and he is the great accuser. Uh, and he seeks to do you great harm. Now, some of you are looking at me now and say, you know, he looked reasonably intelligent until he said those th- that thing about, do he really believe in a, liter- a, a being the devil? Well, if you're questioning that, let me be sure to say to you that you are a, you are a part of a very small minority of human beings on the planet now and in all who have lived who do not know that. You're in a very small minority. Now, unfortunately, that minority all lives in the United States pretty much and in Western Europe. Uh, but uh, most of the people in the world right now are fully aware of the evil one. And the fact that you aren't puts you in the most vulnerable position. For if, if you have an enemy who can do his bidding and you not believe he exists... How long do you think you're going to last? Well, not long. That's why we see people drop in like flies and blindsided. Now, these are your three enemies. Some of you, let me just speak to the Christians for a moment. Some of you entered the Christian life with, a, uh, uh, with, with false expectations. You know, C.S. Lewis once quoted, expectations are everything. I mean, let me tell you what I mean by that. E- expectations affect how we perceive everything. If I were to... Um, uh, take you down to um, our offices and walked you into the outside our offices. And I said, now, uh, when we go in these doors, what, I want you to see our church has provided a honeymoon suite. And we walked you in, you'd go, gosh, are y'all nuts? This is a, like an office. This is a dump. But if before I walked you into our offices, I said, now, um, we're serving our community, uh, our city, in that we've converted part of our building to a, a jail cell because our jails are overcrowded, and, and this is a jail cell. And we walked you into our offices, you'd go, hey, pretty nice play, pretty nice jail cell. You see, it's all in your expectation. That's a stupid, crazy, weird illustration, but you get, that's the point, is that our expectations are everything. Now, if you entered the, the life with Christ thinking that this is all good, pain-free, problem-free, no suffering, no grieving, what a great deal, no enemies, then you're going to be mauled. Uh, the Bible's very, very clear. You have enemies, and they are nastier, and they are meaner, and they are more evil than you can imagine. Evidenced by the fact that you're having trouble with peace. You are anxious. You are worried about many things. The worries and cares of the world are, are, are hindering 
you. Now, part of, part of our problem with uh, these enemies is they convince us, especially as Christians, is that about fully one half of our difficulty with being sad or being upset or being depressed or being anxious is that we're upset that we're upset. We're, we're sad that we're sad. We're anxious that we're anxious. I mean, I'm not supposed to feel this way. So, I'm, you know, so if you just realize you're going to be sad sometimes, you're going to be concerned sometimes, you're going to be a little down sometimes, don't be down that you're down. Don't be depressed that you're depressed. Don't be worried that you're worried. Don't be anxious that you're anxious. It'll fully cut that stuff in half. But, but these enemies are very good in that they ruin our peace. But God wants you to be a peace-filled person. And according to this passage in Galatians 5, he fully intends to turn you into a person who is characterized by peace. Well, maybe I should define that. Uh, And here we go. Here's my best shot at the peace of God. The peace of God. The peace of God is having deep trust and confidence in God's loving and wise and good control over the affairs of my life. I'm going to say that about a hundred times. Don't worry if you don't get it down. The peace of God is trust, deep trust and confidence in God's loving and wise and completely good oversight of the affairs of my life. It's trust and confidence in God, regardless of the circumstances. Confidence in God. How do we have that? Well, the classic passage uh, for peace is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Philippians, another just right after Galatians, a couple of books over, fourth chapter beginning in verse 6. And here's what it says. This is God's Word. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise dwell on these things do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you now let me see your eyes you can overcome anxiety with the peace of Christ you can overcome your anxiety with the peace of of Christ. Now, anxiety, besides being a sin, does terrible things to us. Uh, the, the, the word that's translated worry or, or anxious uh, here is a word that, that literally means to be pulled in different directions. It, it is the picture of being pulled apart by the worries and cares of, of everyday life. Now, we weren't, we weren't meant to live life this way. And the Apostle Paul, inspired by God the Holy Spirit, is writing these words to give us instructions on how we can be peace-filled people. It's interesting to me that he wrote these words while being in the city of Rome under house arrest on trial for his life in a pretty rotten situation. Yet he says, peace. Don't worry about anything. 
Don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious that you're anxious. I mean, he's in, he was not in some ivory tower monastery. He's in prison. And he wrote these things. Now, the first thing he says about having the peace of Christ is this. You can have the peace of Christ and thereby overcome anxiety if you will, jot this down, turn your worry list into a prayer list. If you'll turn your worry list into a prayer list. Look at verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer, let your request be made known to God. It's almost as if he said, all those things that you're worried about, all of the cares of your life, all of the things that are causing you anxiety, uh, you got them on a list. Well, go to the top and mark out worry and write in the word prayer. Turn your worry list into your prayer list. Pray to God about these things. Now, we know what prayer is. Prayer is talking to and listening to God. Um, and it's, it's done through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible teaches if you want to communicate with God, it's done through Jesus in a relationship with God, the Father. And so... Um, what he's saying here is that if you want to have the peace of God, you must first have peace with God. And that comes through turning from your sin and self-driven life, placing your active trust in Jesus uh, to be your substitute and your representative uh, before God as, the, as your only hope to be reconciled to God and that you will be accepted by God. You'll have access to God the Father. Now, now praying includes asking God. Now, I know that's a deep thought. You may want to jot that down, meditate on that. Asking God for things. That's typically what we think about when we think of praying first. Uh, I'm going to ask God for things. Well, in, in verse 6, the Bible says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. Now, this word petition is a word that's got some octane to it. It's got some urgency to it. It's got, it is an earnest word. It is not passive. It is not apathetic. It is not casual. It means coming to God with very specific requests and being kind of on tiptoes about it, being kind of, being kind of urgent about it, being, being intense about it. It's not casual. It's not flippant. I always cringe. They may see the country music festival deal for everybody together. I mean, I like country. You like country music? Sings about us, you know? Yeah. But the songs that then kind of talk, like to work in there, you know, your, your truck and your beer and the man upstairs, that happens. That little man upstairs thing like that, that's, that's flippant. I got a feeling if he, if, if he let us do what he did, what Isaiah the prophet did when Isaiah said, in the year King Uzziah died, I, I saw the Lord. You know what Isaiah did? He said, hey, it's a man upstairs. <laughs> Let's write a country song. No, it says he fell on his face as dead. I think that's what we'd do. So there's a sense of urgency and that we're coming before a holy God. But he says, bring your request to me. We're to tell God what the problem is. Now, it's okay to pray generally. 
But Jesus, all through the, and God all through the scriptures, calls us to be specific. Uh, if you read the gospels, the accounts of the Lord Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find several instances where he's in public and someone in great need is calling out his name. Lord, have mercy on me. You know, Lord, Lord, and, and he get his attention. That's a pretty good prayer. Lord, have mercy on me is a good prayer. But Jesus would stop, look upon them, and ask this question. What do you want me to do for you? Find it. It's right there. I mean, he said, what is it? Get specific. So what is it? What, do you, what is it that you want Jesus to do for you? on your worry list that you're turning into a prayer list. Get really specific and, and ask him for it. You can overcome anxiety with the peace of Christ, and you can have the peace of Christ by turning your worry list into a prayer list, and then that prayer list includes some high-octane, very specific asking of God. Now you say, well, then he answers that prayer, and everything's cool, and then we're, we have peace? No, that's not what it says. It does not necessarily say that we will get what we ask for. Which brings us to the next little point uh, that we are not only to ask specifically, but we are to pray with thanksgiving. This might be the most important aspect of having the peace with God, of, of being thankful to God in the sense of expressing our deep trust and confidence in the loving and the wise and the totally good oversight of God of all the affairs of our lives. It means that we are to, to thank God in all things uh, with thanksgiving. Now, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, he's not saying we give thanks for everything. Sinful things, terrible things, horrible things, injustice, oppression, whether, whether it's on, from the, on the playground or all the way to the palace. No, 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 no. He's not saying that. He's saying in the midst of your asking, in the midst of your circumstances, when you're going to be praying to God anyway, be thankful that he's bigger than the circumstances. Thank God for his loving wise and good oversight and control of the affairs of your life. I, I, rather than describing it, I, I wrote out a prayer that I pray. And uh, maybe this is an example of kind of the spirit of what we're talking about here. Lord, so I bring a request to God, but then I say, Lord, whatever you do in response to this request, I know is good. I thank you for it. I'm asking for something. Uh, if I'm asking for something that's at the wrong time or, or if I'm asking the wrong for the wrong thing and you don't give it to me, I want to thank you for not giving me things that are not good for me. If you give me something, uh, if you give me the opposite of what I ask, even though it's going to be very difficult for me and I'm not going to be happy about it, I'm not going to try to force joy or fake joy that would be very wrong but I know you're a God who knows what he's doing and has my best interest at heart and is all you're all wise and all good and you is no darkness at all and I want to thank you that you are ordering my life that's why we sang a while ago the Lord our God is ever faithful he takes good care of us when we don't know what in the honk to do for ourselves. 
Even we're asking for bad stuff that wouldn't be good for us. And so, but I don't understand that. How many parents we got in here? They were the ones that were slowly right there. Yes. Yeah. Well, here's the example. Your preschooler comes to you and wants to do something that's, you know, totally destructive for them. And you love them and you smile at them and you say, no. And they have a collapsion right there. But what do you do? Do you reject them? Do you take them back to the hospital? Do you know? No, you love them and smile and just know, I just know things you don't know and I know what's good for you and I have your best interest at heart. Now, is that too hard for us to understand? God's way bigger than us. His thoughts are higher than us. His ways are, are above our ways. He, he sees the future as if it were the past. He lives in an eternal present. He, know, he has our, your best interest at heart. Uh, he knows what is good for you. He will not give you, uh, you know, people say sometimes, well, you need to really be careful what you pray because you might get it. No, you don't. No, you don't. Jesus himself said, you know, if, 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 if a child asks his father for bread, will he give him a rock? No. A good God takes good care of us. He knows we're weak. He knows we're small. He knows we're finite. He knows we're just dust. And he's so good that he will not answer prayers that he knows are not ultimately good for us. That's one of the reasons we can trust him. Say, yes, I have a deep confidence in God's loving and wise and totally good control over the affairs of my life. So therefore, we thank him for that. That brings incredible, an incredible sense of well-being and peace. And that's what peace, the peace of God is. And so you can overcome anxiety by praying in this way. But there's a second way. You can overcome anxiety by the peace of Christ. And you can have the peace of Christ by dwelling on the gospel. Look at verse 8. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Let me me try to sum it up this way. Pastor Tim Keller Uh, in a sermon that he wrote on this passage, uh, says this. We need to be careful to talk to our heart each day rather than listening to our heart. Listening to our heart is when we wake up and the worries and cares of the world greet us and we say, oh my, oh my, what what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh my. What are we going to do? Oh my, this has happened and she did, and that, and, and what are, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and we just, we focus on the worry and we focus on, the, and our heart is saying, yep, something's wrong. We're sad and we're, and we're also sad about being sad and we're anxious and we're also anxious about being anxious. You shouldn't feel this way. And what are we going to do? He says, no, you talk to your heart. Don't don't let your heart talk to you. In that passage, he says, you dwell on these things. 
In one translation, he says, let your mind dwell on these things. In another one, he says, make your mind think about these things. You see, God has created you, and if you're a follower of Jesus, he's given you his spirit and the power to decide what you're going to think about. You can do it. You can't not think, but you can change channels. And he says, change channels here. And he says there are many things that fit this description. Uh, Things of God's creation fit this description. There's also all of the Holy Scriptures that fit this description. And it's good to meditate on those and think about those and ponder and focus on these things. But there's nothing better to fill your mind with at the beginning of each day and as you go through the day with the gospel of Jesus and the realities thereof that they bring. Let me. I, I, I try to run through some of these every week when we're together. But when you fill your mind with the thoughts of the reality of the amazing love of God the Father, expressed by giving His one and only Son who came to earth to show us who He really is and who He is really like, and then went innocently to the cross, substituting for us, representing us, all because He loved us so much He couldn't bear the thought of us having to atone for our own sin forever in a place called hell. So He determined to do it for us. And there, God the Father arranged somehow when He was on that cross to lay on him all of the sin, all of the guilt, all of the shame of all, of all of us and all of humanity, and he took it, satisfying his very own demands of justice, paid the penalty in full, purchased our freedom from the power of sin in full. So that the Bible says when we place our faith in Christ, even while we were sinners, that he does these things. He completely forgives us of our sin. He adopts us into his own family, and we become heirs of all of his promises uh, of, any, of eternal life uh, with God. He gives us his Holy Spirit to take up residence in our life, to comfort us, to teach us, to guide us, uh, to strengthen us in our inner being. Uh, he, he, he rescues us uh, from spiritual darkness and redeems us, purchases us back from slavery to sin so that he breaks the very power of sin over our life so that we now belong to our choice. He comes to dwell in us so that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, every day I have meaning in life because he's going to live his life through me. And if somebody kills me, hey, the very worst thing that could happen to me is the very best thing that could happen to me. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's why Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body. That's nowism. That's saying, oh, if they die, I'm done. This is all there is. No, 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 no. Don't fear them. Follow me. Follow me. For me to live is Christ, I'll live my life through you. And to die is gain. And so what you do is you preach that to yourself every day. And when worries come, you just stop and... Remember, let your mind, make your mind dwell upon Jesus and what he's done for you and in you and for you. And the Bible says in verse 9, the result is that the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension, verse 7, excuse me, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, the result of turning your worry list into a prayer list 
and filling your mind with the gospel of Jesus Christ every day is the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension. Now, you've all, you know, you've all been gracious to me across these past almost four years. Uh, you know, when, when church members tend to grieve kind of privately, pastors grieve by preaching about it. And you have allowed me to preach through the grief of my father's death. And I want to tell you a story about it. We're, October will be four years. And you know, I've told you before, the greatest man in my life, for all the good reasons... All the good reasons, magnificent husband and father and friend and follower of Jesus. He was the patriarch of our family and a great one. Uh, and, and so, but as, as I began to age and he began to age and began to approach, you know, 75, and I knew that his father died when he was 65, I began, Marcy, I began to work, I began to dread my daddy's death. Did any, any of you know what I'm talking about there? I began to dread my, I've been into, I can't because I, I couldn't imagine life on this planet and him not here. I mean, I couldn't imagine how my mama would do. I couldn't imagine how my sisters would do. Uh, and, and all these grandkids that just almost worshipped him. I just couldn't imagine. And so I just kind of said, well, I, I can't have him forever. I know what I believe. And, but, uh, Paul, I dreaded it. I mean, I dreaded it. And then the day came when we stood around his deathbed. My mom here and me here and uh, Allison here and uh, the, the grandkids here, my two sisters in the room, and we were just right there with him. And I, he breathed his last. <sighs> that was it. And we cried. But in the midst of the crying, I'm holding on to mom here and holding on to Allison here. And I realized, I'm fine. How come I'm fine? Shouldn't be. Isn't this the time that you're destroyed? Isn't this the time that you're that life you become very afraid of life because death is? No, no, no. The peace of God that surpasses all comprehension was guarding my heart, how I felt, and my mind, how I thought, so that I was no longer I was not swept away by fear-filled feelings or fear-filled thoughts. Now, hundreds of you have experienced that. We want all of you to know that, and you can. So why don't we begin now? We're going to move into about an eight-minute time of prayer. We got, we got 20 minutes left in the service almost, so don't move. Don't move. Don't interrupt this holy time if you can. I'm going to ask our pastors and elders and any of our group leaders who are here in the room, if you would kind of spread across the front in case people uh, you need someone to pray with them or, or for them. But why don't you now think about the person... Or the people, or the, or the issue, or the issues that are causing you anxiety right now, causing you worry, uh, disrupting your peace, that the world, the flesh, and the devil are using to blindside you. And let's turn it into a prayer list. And then why don't you do this? Tell, tell the Lord Jesus what you want him to do. He's saying right now to every one of you, what? do you want me to do for you? Now you can come kneel here at the front. You can come let us pray with you. You can pray there where you're seated, but let's do business with God and then tell him what you want. And then, and then let your mind dwell on his gospel. And I'll close our prayer time in well, about seven minutes or so.
as we continue this time of prayer. Remember early on I said in, in this talk uh, that the peace of God is only available if we have peace with God. And this gospel that we've described uh, is celebrated and has been celebrated by followers of Christ for over 2,000 years. Jesus himself instituted this element of worship. We call it the Lord's Supper. And we're going to celebrate together as a faith family uh, the Lord's table. Uh, If you elders and staff want to go ahead and have a seat, continue to pray if you're praying with someone. Uh, If you are not yet a believer in Christ, not yet a follower of Christ, this would be a part of the service that you should not participate in. For the Bible says this would be for believers only. And for you believers, this is a time for you to go before God, examine your own hearts and lives to make sure you're in the faith. And if you are, that you are walking in obedience to Christ, that there's no intentional ongoing patterns of sin and disobedience, but deal with those to make sure you're in good relationship with one another. And then to remember his body that was broken for us, his blood that was shed for us on the cross, making a way for us to be reconciled to God. Here's what the scriptures say. After I read this, I should give you some practical instructions first. We have several stations. There's three here across the front. There's one on each side of the auditorium. There's one in the very back on the floor. There are two in the balcony. And as you prepare your hearts and you are ready, just get up from where you're seated, move to the nearest station, and, and partake of the bread and the cup while you are at this station. Here's what the scriptures say. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, Lord, we come near to you now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.